everybody, and welcome to the Forts Comic News, episode 322. I'm one of your hosts, Chris. I'm some of my co-host here, Mike. It's popping, hey. Mike. I uh, just got back from The Flash about an hour ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, I, I mean, I liked it, so we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. I will say, movies have gotten really long. To the fact that, like, the movie started at eleven, we got out at like after two o'clock because they do this thing now because they know people show up later for previews because they play those stupid ass commercials. At eleven o'clock, when the movie should have started, they played like ten more minutes of commercials and then they played the previews, and I was like. So we're we're sitting here for like over half an hour <laughs> before we wow. get to the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's one that's thing Regal. about having like a small local theater is it's just pre- previews and then fucking movie. Yeah, up. Regal's like, yeah, you gotta. We have seltzer waters here. We have Pepsi and then we have Coke and then we have M Ms. It's like, okay, guys, like, I don't know. Gotta make their to money sell. somehow. Do you think people are really like in the movie? Like, damn, that was a really good Coke ad. Let me go out and grab a Coke. Like, people are just grabbing their shit before they get to the movie. At least that's what I do. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I got. I actually, I know. Uh, it's part of the the deal. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's part of their contract to have. They get it commercial. Uh, yeah. Uh, interview today, everybody. We're going to talk about the Flash, but we also have Davy T. Otterby on. For all you folks that are curious, going to talk about unemployed monsters. Davey. Chris and I. Chris and I have uh, issues here that we read. Advanced copies. Very cool. Uh, very cool story. I will say, if you like Rick and Morty, you're probably going to like this book. Um, yeah. Very Rick and Morty esque. Uh, and with that, I think we got a lot to talk about today. So let's just jump into the news, Chris. Let's do it. Uh, movie news. Well, this is pretty pretty uh, nice segue for the Flash discussion next. But the Flash director Andy uh, Muschietti has been tapped to direct Batman: The Brave and the Bold movie for the new DC Cinematic Universe. His production company, Double Dream, also has been hired to work on the film which also means his sister Barbara Muschietti will produce. That's cool. Uh, we'll talk about it right now. I liked The Flash. I thought the directing of it was good. He can definitely direct a superhero film. Uh, and the Batman sequences were fantastic, right? So, Batman sequences are, were good. Uh, so, I, I mean, that's fine. I don't know how they came to this conclusion personally because I think The Flash is a terrible movie. Mm. Um. I'm gonna go on the exact opposite side of you, Mike. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought. I mean, so hold on, everybody. We're gonna spoil this movie. Uh, so if you yeah, don't want yeah. spoilers, you should probably skip ahead like 15 or 20 minutes, um, and then we'll we'll just carry on the show normally. But there you go. So let's just say real quick, like, good for him. I, I thought the the Batman stuff was fine in the movie, mm-hmm. and um, I'll be interested to see how he handles getting a Batman movie, uh, a superhero movie. It's not bogged down by like this to be fair, in my opinion, fairly honest, like bad continuity. And uh, I'm at the point now I post on Twitter, like I'm done with DC until James Gunn Superman comes out. Like that's just where I'm at. I'm not doing it anymore. And as far as Andy Muschietti, that's not his problem, right? That's kind of executives. I think a lot of the issues with this movie aren't necessarily Andy's problem. Like I thought the, the action sequences were fine. Um, and let's just segue this into our flash discussion. Like the action sequences are fine. I thought the biggest problem with this movie was the script was bad. Uh, the special effects were rushed for, for some reason. Like they feel rushed, even though this movie is three years late mm. uh, and the acting is horrendous. And I think 
a majority of that is that Ezra Miller is just not a good actor. So I will say this. I don't think while I, I, I probably, I would agree. So we're going to have a Pat's flashbacks here in a second, but Mm -hmm. I would probably give the movie a seven or eight out of 10. Was it my favorite movie? No. Was it a fun movie? Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I will say, let me address these several You're that you're thinking about the CGI. Yeah. When they're in the, like the speed force turning back time and stuff like that, that's like, we didn't need that. All that. Like I get that he was like rewinding, but you can mm-hmm. just do like sizzle reels of shit. We've already seen. You don't need to do that awful, like <laughs> CGI I, of everything happening. That was like a little jarring for me. I, I didn't mind the decision of like the bubble. Yeah. Like that, that was that, fine. That that's fine. fine. That works. It's just the CGI looked terrible. Yeah. The CGI looked real. It was like, it was like flash TV show CGI. <laughs> and then like the ending, which should have been like this hugely expensive, amazing sequence, which it, to be fair like okay there's parts of this movie that i do enjoy like with any movie there's things i enjoy so like the ending sequence where we do the crisis on infinite earth's ending Mm -hmm. and it shows the different universes and we get to see like christopher reeve superman and yeah nicholas cage superman cage yeah and it's all done cg like i was i was popping for that like that was awesome especially nicholas cage part yeah but it also took me back because it looked awful (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, it looks like a cartoon, not a live action movie. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a choice. Like, that could be a choice. If it was a choice, I still stand by. I think it was a bad choice, but mm-hmm. yeah. And I feel like maybe a lot of that stuff was at a lot of that CGI got added after the fact. Cause we know this, I mean, this script had been like what scrapped so many times. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. I, I did have a lot of fun with the movie and I agree mm-hmm. that like Ezra seeing Ezra in a whole movie, I don't whether Ezra's a, a good actor or not. I mean, I whatever. I I've enjoyed Ezra in some stuff. I didn't care for Ezra in the Flash. I think Ezra does a lot better job with like a torn and like sad emo character, like in uh, the Harry Potter movies or um. Some was he other, in the Harry Potter movie? The the Fantastic Beast. He's like the center point of those uh, movies. I haven't gotten to those. Or, yet, so. They're like the center point. Yeah. So. But this one where he's like over the top, like trying to be happy and hyper, it was just like after like 10, 15 minutes in, I was like, all right, this is enough. Like I, I was just, yeah, it was like he, they were ruining the moment for me, but like, I would prefer like, man, just thinking the whole time, I would love to have Grant Gustin. (laughs) Oh, that would have probably brought this movie up points for me. Like, oh yeah, for sure. Like, man, uh, I just, it didn't feel like Barry to me. I mean, I don't like the happy go lucky, jokey, like twitchy and all that. Like, yeah, that was, that was a choice that was made and I just didn't right. like it. But I think the movie lost me. And like, like you said, in the first 11 minutes, yeah, 10 minutes or so, like, dude, the second they did the sequel, like first we didn't have to do the whole, he's running low on energy. Right. Thing. Like just scrap that. That was stupid. And then that whole CG sequence where he's trying to save the babies falling yeah, from the sky. He put a baby in a microwave. So that was funny. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> but my issue there is one, it lost me the second he says baby shower. Yeah. I like at that moment, I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then it immediately goes to this. He breaks into a snack machine and has to eat to like recharge himself and it just looks so goofy yeah and not in a good way yeah i that was some of that some of those choices there were interesting um hey but points for bringing alfred back man holy shit i alfred alfred and uh and 
Ben Affleck Batman. The, the, like I didn't even, I was like, is Flash even in this movie? When I hear, uh, you know, uh, uh, Flash, we need you. And I was like, oh shit. Like, all right. Um, that was cool. And, and seeing like Batman do his thing. I was like, man, I just wish I had more Ben Affleck Batman. Honestly, like that, like if, if they didn't have Batman in this movie or any type of like the Batman in the movie, I don't know how it would have done for me. Um, I think this movie's biggest sin is it doesn't have enough of Keaton Batman. Yeah, for real. Like, uh, that was the best part for me was seeing Keaton Batman. Um, let me just read Pat's flash facts and then we can just riff off that too. So, okay. uh, general comments, thoughts about the movie. He gives us an eight out of 10. Um, I give it like a seven to eight so I can see that. I don't think it's a terrible movie, but it could have been so much better. Uh, really enjoy a new fun twist on flashpoint. Full of, nostal- full of nostalgia. He enjoys that Michael Keaton stole the movie. I agree, for sure. Uh, like you said, not enough Michael Keaton. Uh, love seeing the other Batman and Superman. Nicholas Cage, what the fuck he says. Um, which a lot of people don't know, like the death of Superman lives, that documentary that came out, what, like five plus years ago now, where there was a Tim Burton Superman film, everyone, mm-hmm. that got scrapped. And that Nicholas Kevin Cage, Smith wrote. That Kevin Smith wrote, and they said, dude, you can't have Superman fighting a spider because it's stupid, and here we are, folks. <laughs> we have a movie. Well, that's not how the story went. Is, oh, okay. Was it a giant ant or was it a spider? No, I can't remember. No, he wrote the script, and I think Brainiac was supposed to be the villain. And oh, they wanted a giant bug. The yeah. producer wanted him to fight a giant spider in the third act. And that's yeah. what, if you watch the, I think it's one of the evening with Kevin Smith's, he talks yeah. about it, and then literally the next year, the same producer did that Wild Wild West movie where they fight yep. a spider in the third act. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then the last few comments. Ezra was fine. They might have been the worst part. Yep, I think we agree there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Supergirl was okay. Uh, yep, she just really smolders the whole time. Uh, they missed their shot of Red Sun Superman. Amen, brother. Uh, had some faults, but it was a fun movie. I agree it was a fun movie. And then his last comment, Michael J. Fox will always be my Marty McFly. So... That is a reference to the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there's some fun sequences, but like, yeah, dude, the multiverse shots like got me all hyped up. But like, and then the end, right? So even if you're even if this movie doesn't like it doesn't address continuity at all, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't do any of that shit. The whole time they're fighting like to save that Earth, like fighting Zod. I'm just like thinking to myself. Why are they why are they here? I like obviously Barry realizes he fucked up. Like, why doesn't he just go back? Like, and then he realizes after like this giant fight and like killing Zod, like can't defeat Zod and stuff. It is like, then he realizes, Oh, I need to go back. Like, dude, you should have done it earlier. (laughs) This whole thing of like, he has to, he has to do it. Cause that's what a hero does. I'm like, okay. Uh, and, and I know like, this is a weird opinion. Cause it kind of goes against what I've said about other DC movies, but like, it had it tried too hard to be Marvel funny, and like yeah. we've been complaining that Marvel funny isn't really doing it anymore. Yeah, right, right. It tried too hard. Also, and, you had Flash say the fuck, say fuck at the end of the movie, which was like, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. And Supergirl was fine, but like she did nothing. Yeah, she accomplishes nothing through the movie other than yeah. to save them once. I mean, and it, then dies. Yeah, yeah. It, I just was so disappointed with every plot aspect of this movie where I just, 
I, I, I don't know. I can't even, I can't say it's a seven out of 10. I, it's, it's like a five or a four out of 10 for me. Cause it just, mm. it fails in so many ways. Yeah. And I even get, though it yeah. has these moments that made me happy, it then ends on the worst possible note it could, which is to bring back everything. Like he goes back, he ends up killing his mother. Right. And then, you know, solving the timeline issue and all that shit. Yeah. And then for some reason, Oh yeah, because he switched things around to save his dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, he meets up with Batman, Bruce Wayne, right? And it's the worst fucking Bruce <laughs> Wayne ever on film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that that gave me questions too. It's like, okay, so is George? Clo- so like, we had heard that Michael Keaton was going to be the Bat Universe Batman for the universe. I guess that's not true anymore. We have George Clooney showing up, which leads me to believe this movie means nothing for the cinematic universe, right? Like they made all yeah. these changes then why not have like alternate endings? Why not have it be like six different Batman that show up, you know, have a different ending. where like, Oh, it's Christian Bale coming out of the car. Oh, it's like, I don't know. An I Adam West look alike. I think the original ending was supposed to be Keaton. Yeah, for and sure. And then that was going to set up Batgirl or whatever the, that movie yeah. was they were going to do. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's fine. But like at this point, I literally just sat there. I'm like, so this movie, I mean, I get it. If you if you enjoyed it and you have fun, mm-hmm. this comment's gonna go right through you and mean nothing. But like at the me. end of the day, fun, I'm like, this movie it. means nothing. Yeah. I mean, I had fun, I enjoyed it. So Yeah, like that and that's fine. I yeah. mean, you know, Star Wars Legends Canon. If you still enjoy it, that's great. That's what you're supposed to do with it. But I'm such a continuity hound that like I, I sit down there, I'm like, okay, so we're not gonna get George Clooney to be Batman in the future. Like he's not gonna be Batman and Brave and the Bold. No, he's not. He's too expensive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and i just don't think i mean yeah. fans would be like what the you really you're gonna bring back yeah. bat nipples yeah right <laughs> but, never again but yeah for me i just okay why didn't this movie get delayed further to change the ending mm-hmm. and like set up what's coming next because at this point i just see there's got to be a hard reboot somewhere. oh i think that's the direct i think this movie confirms that like you said, like Superman legacy is going to be the harder, but like they, the fact I, and I think what they've done is like, they probably had, there was probably a movie there somewhere that changed a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they said, why don't we just, I mean, we're at the point now between allegations against the main actor, all this bullshit happening, Batgirl gets scrapped. We might as well just stay away from that and just move forward. I think, I think that's kind of how it ended up. Yeah. Which so sucks, I, but, and like, I got the blue beetle, um trailer before the movie and it just yeah. Uh, yeah i'm just i think i'm done until james gunn takes over like yeah, I'm i honestly not that excited for the movie <laughs> yeah this we got two more dc movies they're gonna be incon- inconsequential and blue beetles one of them like it just doesn't look interesting to me i'm sorry and then i didn't really like the first aquaman so I, yeah this the, i i have a feeling the aquaman movie is gonna be hot trash well, and then, so to jump off of that, like the end credit sequence was, I don't know, I thought it was dumb, personally. What was it? You didn't stay for the end credit sequence? I looked it up and I didn't see that there was one. I, I stayed for the dog thing, but what was the end credit sequence after So that? it's it's Ezra Flash and Aquaman coming out oh. of a bar, and, and Aquaman's all like drunk and wasted, and he falls into a puddle. Oh. And I'm like, what? I mean, it was funny, kind right. of. Like, yeah. I think Momoa's. I like Momoa as like an actor and a person. Like he seems like a good dude. He has a good sense of humor and everything. Right, right. But I'm just. I sat there. I'm like, what is this? 
Yeah. It's just another thing for me that shows that the old regime at DC just did not understand what made Marvel successful. <laughs> but and I know I sound like a Marvel like fanboy about this, yeah. but like God, like how do you not see well, it I'm, should have set up? I'm going to say I'm going to say Marvel up until Infinity War because it's been a little scrambled since then. But yeah, I, and yeah. I've had my criticism since. Yeah, then. right, right. And I will say this: um, the the probably the <laughs> that I never thought you would have you would have got like Batman and the Lasso of Truth in this movie, but that was a pretty hilarious. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, like in the flash being like, I've never had sex before. I was like, okay, that was a little much. Like, that was a little much. I, yeah. I I'm gonna go against you on that one too. Like, I hated that scene too. Uh, like, no, it just it, felt like they forced it in there. I was yeah, like, and, yeah, and they had to force the comment of like, if I just give up all my money, it would serve up. A, no, it wouldn't. You're stupid. Yeah. B, it's just a dumb. That's not what Batman would say. That's not Batman. Right. <laughs> That's. If Batman really believed that, Batman would give up everything to solve all the, the problems in Gotham. Like that's who Batman is. Yeah. That that whole it interaction just, it, with know. them felt forced, like on the bridge where he's like, Okay, goodbye, it, Barry. Like, it felt to me like they thought it was they thought this was funny and it could make a statement. And it just yeah. maybe for some it didn't, but for me it fell flat. Because mm-hmm. I just I go there, I'm like, no, this And how no. do you not even show like you don't even show a yellow flash, like like not not in not in a suit or anything. I mean, like a yellow flash of light when Barry's mom dies. You don't do any of that shit. Like, no. you it, just haven't. You don't do. You don't even hint to like who could have killed her or that the like you know the husband goes free. But it's like, and this okay. for me, this for me is the big one, like the plot. Yeah. So we did this in the TV series, and we did it better. Yeah, way better. And I think this movie also fails from people like for me, particularly we joke that flash ended after um, super best friends. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's real because I legitimately just got sick of it after that. And I was like, okay, we're doing the same thing. And I'm just bored with it. That was me. This movie felt like retelling a story arc that I enjoyed in the TV series, not as well. Yeah, right. And then when it all came, huge spoilers for the ending, everybody. When the ending came and it just ended up being the alternate Barry that was the bad guy, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Yeah, that, that, I think, I think that Dark Flash was definitely added after the fact. There was, you, you can't tell me there was no reverse Flash reference in the original script. And then you, you add this dude dark flash who's just like a culmination of like outer space debris <laughs> and time <laughs> um yeah that was yeah. a little wonky but dude this movie had 60s batman in it um uh, that, that i'm sequence. happy i'm happy you and others i know really enjoyed it i just yeah. i i couldn't i just it, it was fun me. it was fun in the sense that like shazam was fun for me mm-hmm. um and I mean, I'm always going to like nerd out over DC shit, but, uh, and the, I will say the Iris West stuff was so forced. You didn't even need to have Iris in this film. You had, you didn't, you did not, if, if that was the way you treated her, you did not need her in the film because she was just like, Hey, I remember you from college. Yeah. Now, Leave now me alone in your apartment. Now I want you even more. I was like, what's happening here? This is not how people are pursued in real life. I agree with you. Now that we're in a world where this, where, like I said, this movie doesn't matter in terms yeah, of continuity. Right. If we were in a previous world that this was going to set up future DC movies. Yeah. That her addition would have meant more. Yeah. 
And that's one of the things with these ongoing stories and and these, that these creators need to understand, like that whole thing, I think people would have been much more appreciative of and enjoyed more and made more sense if there was going to be a flash Two. Yeah. But there's not. (laughs) Yeah. I know they've said, Oh, there could be. It's like, I don't think you guys are doing this. If there, if there is a flash in the cinematic universe and it's not Grant Gustin, we'd be so pissed. Like you said, I'm fine if they don't do Grant Gustin. I mean, somebody just, else. Just don't do Ezra. And I'll say this, like you said, those like I now I'm thinking about like those episodes where Barry goes back in time in the Flash TV show. Man, those episodes had so much weight to it. Even the even the music was like the only music I can recognize from this movie was like the Danny Elfman uh Batman theme because it's like godly, right? But the Flash TV show with that theme and like him going back in time, seeing his mom and like talking to her and you're like, holy shit, like this movie did not have that weight, you know? And I think they wasted their cameos. Yeah, um, for sure. So I talked about the end credit sequence with uh, Momoa, but having Gal Gadot in it with her sequence, why not not do that and then put her in Flashpoint world or right. whatever that alternate yeah. timeline supposed to be? Right, right. And do like a scene with her. Yeah. Where she's like, and like, I, you don't have to do exactly Flashpoint, but just do something with her in that. That would have meant more to me than her, like, helping them out and having a quick lasso of truth joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> I just, I, I think that was uh, not done I think, as well as it could have been. I think I'm getting tired of, like, the Wonder Woman being treated as, like, the, like, the unattainable sex object, like, in that scene. And then, we, I, did you see the new Shazam? Not yet. I, st- okay. I still really I do want to. But okay. I, well, yeah. sorry. She shows up in that one, and <laughs> that's like the and you know. Uh, oh my god. Um, why can't I think of his? I, I want to say Barry, but it's uh, um, Shazam. Billy. Sorry, Billy Batson. Billy. Too many bees. Um, is like in love with her and like wants to you know take her out and like has dreams about like making out with her and stuff. And I'm like, that's literally the same cameo and interaction we had in the Flash. Like this is getting kind of old. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, come on. Like, I know she's awesome, but like she could be doing way. Like you could have made her the the general or some shit in like the alternate universe. Like you said, that would have been sick. It's one of those things where I agree with you. Like yeah. that you can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It also makes sense. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> if I was living in that world, I'd be like, fuck. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, she, I mean, she is a goddess, right? So. Yeah, she's um, supposed to be like the ultimate divine, divine, like most beautiful woman in the world. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, it's. But I, I do understand where you're coming from there. At the same time, like it's just and the and the reviews aren't that great either. I mean, it's getting a lot of good fan reviews, but the and and James Gunn and everybody saying this is the best film. Like, I will say that I'm pretty pissed about James Gunn being like this is the best DC film ever and all this bullshit. That was all marketing. The executives are telling him to tweet that shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure if we if people go back, I was saying that same thing. I'm like there's no yeah. and it also just sets a bad expectation. Like Also, I I want to note that like the opening sequence was like, I don't know, we talked about this years ago where I had like I have this like idea for comics where you put like you put like all the DC heroes in situations where like, you know, Batman eating a sandwich on a rooftop and like Mm -hmm. the flash waiting at the DMV. And the opening sequence of this movie was like him waiting for his coffee, like in line, checking his watch and shit. And that's like how I envisioned this comic of him waiting at the DMV. 
but then it just goes so badly with like him talking to the sandwich guy. I was like, this is what is happening here? Like, and he was like, he was act, he was like acting like, oh, you know, that girl is always making my coffee. Why isn't she here? And it was like, why do we have have this conversation? Like, it's also was was the Barry always being late thing in the TV show? Yeah, yeah, that's just a thing. Barry's always late. Yeah, okay, because that yeah. got. That that hit me wrong too. I'm like, yeah. and no, that's just something always with the Flash. He's always late. Yeah, it's been a while since I watched the show, so maybe I had that criticism at the time. Maybe I didn't, but mm-hmm. I remember like, all right, so the guy who runs fast is late all the time. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. listen, I I did enjoy it. I had fun with the movie. I'll probably end up watching it again when it comes out on HBO or Max, whatever the hell that's called. Um, but the just for the Batman scenes alone. I mean, Michael Keaton, Batman. Legitimately, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Yeah. Those Batman scenes were fantastic. Like him, him fighting, uh, dude, him fighting the, like, doesn't make any sense, but him fighting the Kryptonian, that was pretty sick. (laughs) Like jumping all over him and sticking bombs to him and stuff. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. I I didn't like that. They made him like a shut in like Gotham is perfect now. So we don't Batman. like, ah. Okay. Yeah, they they gave him the uh they gave him the Luke Skywalker treatment. Yeah. They don't need me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I have this special set of skills and everybody looks up to me, but nobody needs me. I'm gonna go. Yeah, he hasn't been Batman forever, but he can still go into a Russian military base and kick everyone's ass. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah. I'll suspend my disbelief. I just have right. to criticize that. Right. Like in the moment yeah. I'm like, okay, it's Batman. Batman kicks ass, it's fine. Yeah. But it was funny to just like think back, I'm like he wasn't Batman for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah, yeah. That's the overthinking fanboy stuff that I criticize. So I'm gonna let that go. But so, like him flying the Batwing and shit like that was just that was awesome to see it in like with good effects. Like those are some good visual effects with the Batwing to be mm-hmm. like not that 1990s like you know strung up by a string kind of shit. I thought that was really cool. Um, all right. I think we killed that one. So, uh, yeah, I give like a seven, seven to eight out of ten. Pat's flashbacks, eight out of ten. Thanks for your review. Chris, five out of ten. So um, definitely not the worst movie you've seen, though, right? You can at least say that. What's the worst movie I've seen? I mean, Green Lantern. (laughs) (laughs) The bar's pretty low, brother. Yeah, that one's right there with Fantastic Four, too. Oh, Because about, they're the same movie. What about <laughs> what about Fend Four Stick with uh remember that one with Josh Trank? I never actually saw it, so I got You never no watched opinion. the Josh Trank one, nope. dude? I went and saw that at the theaters opening night because I was so pumped. No, I I didn't uh, I was shafted, bro. I was shafted. My story the story there is he gave a whole interview on um yep. Smodcast. On, yeah, he did. And it was supposed to be a two part interview that was like never hours came back. and hours long. <laughs> never and came he never back. came back because it was so bad of a movie. I, I listened to the first part of that. I'm like, dude, this is gonna be the best Fantastic yeah. Four movie ever. And then I went and saw it and I was like what? I started to see people reacting to it and I was just like, Nope. What nope, just happened? What did I just watch? I don't yeah. think we were doing the show yet, so I didn't have that like yeah, we might not. Like, well, yeah. I have to have an opinion. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and me, I'm just like craving Fantastic Fours. So, um, hopefully, you're, you'll get that soon enough. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully. Okay, Stan Lee documentary. Did you watch it? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's about what you think. 
it 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 I it could be for me that I've seen seen read the story a million times, so it's like whatever. Right. I did like that they they gave tons like so Jack Kirby's voice isn't is in it. Ooh. They give props to Kirby and Ditko. Uh they they do show the whole like the infamous moment where Stanley calls into a radio interview with Jack Kirby and they get into an argument. Like that's a part of it. So oh, I was really that's cool. Yeah, I was appreciative that they actually like showed these things. Although yeah. I think they definitely sided more with Stan Lee on everything than his well, co creators. Yeah. Another thing I'm really appreciative they did is Stan gives kind of so Stan narrates the whole thing. This had to been made prior to him passing oh, away. Oh really? That's interesting. And he talks about his feelings on co-creation oh. and how he said he, in his eyes, he always believed that he's the creator of Spider-Man mm-hmm. because he had the idea. He described the character and he then presents Ditko's argument of like, well, you wouldn't even have a character if I didn't draw it. And Stan says like, I gave him co-creator. Like I, I kind of gave in cause I didn't want uh, a bad relationship between us. I thought we worked well together and this, you mm-hmm. know, all this stuff. But in my heart, I still feel like I'm the creator of Spider-Man, yeah. which was a very interesting thing to hear. Uh, I disagree with Stan, but right. I, I appreciate the it being out there. At the end of the day, he can't draw Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, there's no Spider-Man without Ditko. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even says he gave it to Kirby first. Kirby didn't do it very well, or at least, mm-hmm. you know, Kirby has a different set of skills than Ditko right. does. So he did not the way Jack want or Stan wanted. Ditko's the one that brought it to life. So, I mean, but whatever. The only thing I'll say is there's a speech at the end that late life Stan Lee speeches where he's talking about like chasing your dream and doing these things, blah, 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 mm-hmm. always get to me. And I, I fucking bawled at the end. But oh, yeah. All in all, I thought it was just okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good to know. Um, with that, let's uh, let's jump over to our interview with Davey T. Otterby, and we'll see everybody on the other side. All right, everybody. We've got another very special guest for you all. I want everybody to welcome to the show Davey Otterby. Welcome, Davey. Hey, what's happening? Yeah, thanks for having thanks, me on, man. Thanks for being here. First timer. Uh, you know, we got, we're really glad that we got this book in the mail. We're going to talk about that. Um, unemployed monsters. We both really liked it. Chris got his awesome death metal variant there. And, uh, because it's your first time, we're going to do the annoying thing of putting you through the gauntlet of, uh, I know you said you read some comics on your, well, flip through some comics on your road tripping as a kid, but give us the uh, origin story of, you know, where it all started for you and then how you got into writing a comic, your first time comic. So. Yeah, dude. I think I was just a a, a pretty normal uh, '80s kid. I, I was born in 1975, and uh, I had two older brothers and and one younger. It was really my older brother Jeff who I think got me into comics. Um, uh, yeah, I'm like I didn't play sports. I played a lot of video games. I like I played all like little league and some of that stuff when I had to. But but um, yeah, dude. My brother Jeff was into like Marvel, like, so it's probably like silver age Marvel. And Hey, by the way, guys, thank you so much for having me on. And it's, it's Mike and Chris oh. and I'm, I'm, it's a pleasure to meet y'all. Yeah. Um, no, I was, I was watching you. some of your Thanks. videos and I was like, I could tell these guys like comics and, and, yeah. and you guys tell me, and you guys, 
Well, you know, sometimes it's kind of like, oh, like keeping up, but like it seems like you guys dig in. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And even if we don't read our, our shit, that our pile that we have every week, we uh, we still try to be engaged with what's, what's going on. And we really appreciate talking to people like you. Mike, and, and Mike, you're hardcore yeah. DC, right? And, yeah, and, and, all right. And, and uh, Chris is, is leans, he's kind of in the middle, but leans a little Marvel is what I'm thinking. Yeah, well, all right. He's yeah, got yeah. us. He's got us pinpointed. All right. Or I'm like, watch I'm, the I'm show. A, yeah. I'm a hardcore, I'm a hardcore Marvel guy. Maybe a sprinkle. You have to. You have to really tug on me to look at look at DC. DC, right. I, Understandable. It's, I, if I was brought up, honestly, my first comic book was Heroes for Hire in the nineties. Oh, cool. So nice. I, I was an Iron Fist fan, and uh, I still am an Iron Fist fan. But oh, not yeah. That's yeah. Danny Rand, and so mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, dude, so part of me is like, I'm like, dude, do I even like comics, or do I like them just because I was like trying to connect with my big brother? Like that was kind of like funny, like realizing that like 20 years later. But the but the how did I get into comics thing is my older brother who I looked up who I looked up to. He had a, a Spider Man collection, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like he's like getting like someone like the I'm trying to think. I was like. Man, this is probably eighty three, so I'm probably okay. seven, eight years old when I'm first starting to read his back issues. But mm-hmm. it was all Amazing Spider Man, and he had and and he had back issues from like the mid seven, mid late seventies. So mm-hmm. I was as a little kid, I was reading the first appearance of Punisher and nice. know, and stuff like that. So like the yeah. Jerry Conway, yep, um, some John, a lot of John Romita Senior art mm-hmm. all in my face, like as a young kid. Um, but Rest it was a piece of the legend. Yep, rest in peace. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, yeah, for sure. It's a, a total yeah bummer, but uh, his energy so, is in a, in a better place now, right? Oh, for sure. And we, I mean, we talked about this a little bit with with your book now, but you said that you know back in the day, comics felt a little heavier to you, right? There was there was more going on in them. They were wordy. It was like, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. it like, it like, dude, I got to pay attention at school if I want to figure out how to finish right. this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, one of the, I think one of the things we were talking about behind the scenes, but I guess real quick, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place. I was driving home trying to get here and, and, and caffeinated and, and all that. But, but just really quick, guys, just like what, one of the things that really hammered comics into me is there's this one day my older brother had a tape recorder, like, dude, mm. like straight up Stranger Things, like, like, yeah. we were, like, yep. And it was like, dude, it's like 1985, and it, and it's this tape recorder, and you put the cassette in, and it had this like weird orange thing on the. If you push play, it would play, but it, and but the orange thing would come up. But if you held push the orange thing and play in at the same time, it would record. Okay. So he was like, he we read like, dude, it's like Amazing Spider Man one. It was like one of the late one hundreds, like. Mm-hmm. Silvermane shows up, but we, but we, we read the cup, the comic together as big brother, little brother. Uh, right. And yeah. recorded all of our voices. Well, while, while uh, we so we were like, we like recorded ourselves reading the soundtrack. Right. Yeah. You know, we play it back. Like I'm going to get you Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, like I'm Silvermane, you know, that's like, awesome. That's amazing. Love it. And something about that, like I and since then I've been a big music guy. Like I went to school for like audio engineering initially and stuff like that. And so, but I love music. I love recording. I love physical media. I love comic books and all this stuff. Just kind of like I think that was the moment for me that I really remember. Kind of just like dialing in and, and 
as a little kid, but not really able to grasp it. But mm-hmm. I've, I've had my bouts where I've gone away from comics. So I missed like, I just started, I could go on forever, you guys, but yeah, the, no, it's, all, it's all good. Go for but, it. But one of the cool things that happened is my, my, we were growing up, growing up in Northern New Jersey. I had two older brothers. One was crazy and was just getting in trouble all the time. Mm-hmm. And my other brother was like, you know, just, you know, I don't know, played sports and got, you know, good grades and had good friends and stuff like that. And he was, and he was able to, he was allowed to, um, on Saturdays, take the train from like, from Allendale to, to Ridgewood. Okay. Uh, without, without parents, you know, my other brother, Kenny, he was just gone doing his own thing, but it was like, Oh, like he was like responsibility. And it got to the point where it was like, Hey, he was like, can Davey go with you guys? Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, fine. So as a little kid, I started, I got to, you know, get on the train, give the money. And because the closest comic book shop was in Ridgewood. So we'd take the train That's two, awesome. three, two, three towns over. Yeah. You know, we didn't have a car. And that was, right, the only, right. that was the only way to get there. And uh, yeah, we'd walk there. And dude, I remember getting some back issues. Like I've got like, I got like Spider-Man 135 for like, it's been like five or $8 on it back in the eight, which is a lot, but like, yeah. it's, it's a good looking book. And I think it's like yeah, a yeah. Punisher return of the Punisher and Harry Osborne's it's a Romita cover. It's really sick, but it's amazing. But all these things like the destination there, it was, it was just fun. Pretty kind of like, you know, and you're doing all the, all buying bubble gum and oh, yeah. kids on the hallway there. So yep. Hell yeah. I, I, I really, they were comics were a, a big part of my youth. It's, That's it was, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. So you, you said you kind of jumped in and out and, you know, obviously I've come back to it now. At what point were you like, I have a story I want to tell. I think comics is the right medium and put this all together. Yeah. The, did the, I don't know. That's the story actually started a long time ago. And it's, you know, I think, I think we probably all have our own stories. I think, I don't know, mm-hmm. maybe not. Maybe some people are just cool, but I do think everybody, I think we all are, artists. I think everyone is their own artist and has their own ways to be creative, but um, I've just always loved characters, dude. I've always loved comics and I, I, I don't, I really don't know what it is. I don't know what, if it's, if it's crazy or what to just to try to, to, to think about it now, but yeah, dude, I just, I had this story about music man and it's and it's i just i I think there's something sinister in in the record industry yep um you know a lot of the music industry you know but right so i just always had this like idea of uh i don't know just i I just i my main thing is music you guys as much as i love comic books I, i think music is my is is my is my favorite um a lot of the times when I'm, I've been down or alone. That was my kind of my go-to place. Um, was was music. So what's hard is like trying to do a comic book. You know, there's no sound. Trying to do a comic book about music. I've, it's, uh, you know, it's like kind of hard. But at the same time, I think any you know people of imagination get what's going on. But like, right. Yeah, uh, there's definitely a crossover. I mean, you see it a lot. Uh, I'm zoning on the name right now, but the guy who did Umbrella Academy, um, Gerard Way, Gerard Way, the musician, successful in that industry, and then 
you actually what you see a lot we don't talk about it enough on the show and i think it's because mike and i aren't very interested in them is these books about bands like the one we did talk about the Jimi hendrix book that's coming out but like there's sublime comics there's there's kiss comics there's comics there's always been some sort of like connection there with comics and music and i think for you it was i mean that's that's kind of how you based on uh unemployed monsters was the the record labels or the villains right yeah (laughs) there's like an evil factory that you know manufactures music basically yeah yeah um but yeah, dude, but that's a good point. Like, Chris, what you're saying, like, I don't I don't think I like comics about bands either. You know what I mean? And and unfortunately, like that's what mine is, but I don't know. I think there's like the human element in in I don't know, like it's just dude, let me I can go watch a documentary on YouTube, you know, right, like right. Listen, uh, I don't know, I'm like I was about to I don't want to maybe not go there, but it's like any 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 comics about actual like there's comics about presidents or there's comics about the right. bible there's comics yeah. about like like you said band I'm like i don't care dude i remember like remember i had this like comic about tom landry he was like <laughs> he was like the coach of the you know the cowboy yeah know? yeah it was like some of the same people I, who did like archie but yeah i don't think like, i ever read that contractually either. obligated to say fuck the cowboys right now but okay okay, okay my bad my bad my bad no that's just that's just chris yeah but, but I, um i i have to agree with you though because like your book obviously music is the center but you you build all these other characters around it that keep it going right i mean they're all they're all monster type characters that you came well, up well, with well one of the one of the things mike i don't mean to to to, to correct you on your own show so part of yeah, me no but, please yeah but but if, if you open up that front cover and you go to the bottom the way bottom yeah so just so there's any oh. kids watching you don't be scared there are yeah. no, there are Sorry. no monsters in unemployed monsters yep there there is there is a very bright yellow uh no, at the bottom, no monsters and unemployed monsters. There are critters, creeps, mutants, and freaks. Sorry. Yes, you sir. built these critters, creeps, mutants, and freaks. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot more fun to say than monsters, honestly, yeah. uh, within your band. And I think that helps to make, make it a lot more interesting for someone like me because I wouldn't, I wouldn't read a Jimi Hendrix book personally. But Yeah, so it's really – it's supposed to – you know, I, 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 I think I'm interested in – I don't really know where the story is going, but I, I think I'm interested in relationships. Um, so I just want to kind of, I don't know, dude, it's as, it's like that book is kind of, I feel like that book is kind of media, but I'm like, I'm like yeah. I just feel like I just still did a lot of world building, you know? So it's, I can't mm-hmm. wait to uh, get the next one going. Uh, I know I, I leave you on a cliffhanger uh, in this issue for the most part, yeah. but, um, but it is, you know, it's not 22 pages in a cliffhanger. It's a, uh, it's a it's a fifty six page book with, you know, at least fifty two uh, fifty two pages of I think pretty pretty, you know, full colored content, and I give you that little backup story at the end there. So there's a little, you know, full there's some full puzzle pieces in there. Yeah, it's it's a meaty book, and I think one of the things that really brings it all together. I mean, I, I love the like the kids in high school like forming a band story and everything but what really brings it all together is the the setting and the atmosphere and that's kind of brought on 
by your artist, Jake uh, Kazakos. Yeah, Jake Kazakos. Yes. Yeah. Who's done like a bunch of Rick and Morty and Bob's Burgers comics and other things. And uh, it gives that flair. Of, it feels almost like a Rick and Morty style book, but with its own attitude. It doesn't have Rick and Morty. It doesn't like delve into those, but the, the feel, the, the style is there. So, and, yeah, I just talk know, about yeah. meeting up with him and how that changed the story for you. Yeah, and well, and well, I guess like well, a couple of things. I think if if you're if you're a fan of animation and Rick and Morty and that stuff, you're going to dive in and you're going to love it. Uh, if you hate that stuff, I'll tell you right now, it looks nothing like Rick and Morty on the inside. So you don't have to worry about any of that. It's completely different. Just kidding. But um, <laughs> but no. But even though I had you know there were some artists um from that show who worked on it, uh, it's really I think you'll notice that there's some of the sensibilities are there, but it's it's way different. It's way different. And uh, and Chris, I actually uh, as as Jake took this project and he took it to a, a level uh, that I never expected and gave it life that I never had uh never didn't think it could go. But it, but I I started up by I designed all the characters and I kind of did all the layout myself initially and I still do I should probably not give Jake uh, my rough layouts and just let him do his own thing but you know I'm work, we're working on the second issue right now and we have uh, 11 pages penciled and inked so far of the sec of the second issue that we're trying to nice. you know we're do it's we're, we're like a one two-man team over here and so we're working as hard as we can to get it out um, but but yeah, I'm in. I am involved in the not only just the script, but the the character design and and, and the layouts to a degree as well. But yeah, so Jake Jake Kazakos is uh, he's an exceptional artist. Uh, he he, I think he was like he cut his teeth dude doing like murals, some like pretty legit murals. Uh, oh wow! In San Diego and you know, but like. You know, not just like tagging an alley. You know, like uh, right. like I think like corporations. Like, hey, can you do this side of this entire building? Wow, that's cool. So yeah, he's a he's an, an, an he's really good. And you guys, like, if I showed you my roughs, you'd be like, oh, that's cool. It's like uh, it's kind of charming. Yeah. yeah, Jake, his his lines are so they're extremely clean. You know, throughout that book, um, but yeah, he helped out. I was I was in a very fortunate position. So I've been living in LA for like 20 years. I'm from Jersey and I kind of came out here with that, like, uh, you know, that, that dream type, whatever, uh, yep. <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that whole thing. Um, and as, as much as I love being out here, I'm one of these people that where my career has just been kind of going sideways for, for 20 years. It hasn't really gone forward very much, but I have made a lot of contacts and I have had a lot of experience. Um, and I was, I was extremely fortunate to work on, seasons three four and five of rick and morty the the first the first script that i was ever handed was pickle rick and it was at a time when there was just a lot of uh, excitement for that show it was like in between season two and three it was uh, a fun place to be and uh jake came on uh season five i think initially when we needed some freelance uh there's like some episode where we're in like every episode is like a new planet and a new alien race you know yeah right so it was mm -hmm. like there was this episode with like transformers on like a snow mountain and these yeah. like Yeti cops and, mm -hmm. and this one chicken. So Jake did all the, I think Jake designed all those Yeti cops and, uh, and yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's, that's one. I mean, 
the art's amazing. And uh, I mean, you brought up something earlier about the, the relationships in the comic. And I think that's, he, that was the thing I was looking for that I couldn't, I didn't really notice it happening, but that's the interesting thing about the book is like, you have the relationships of the kids, both the kids with their father, um, the high school relationships between your friends and like, you know, the kid likes a girl now and that's a big deal. Um, and then you have Stinko base just trying to fit in. <laughs> I love Stinko base. I think, I think that might be my favorite character. But, well, also uh, too, it's, and it, and it's, if, if you give it time and you sit down and I, and I appreciate you guys, cause it sounds like you did. If, if you give it time, you're like, Oh, this character, like he's, it's all relying on him right now. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Every, so, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, spoilers, but you know, initially I think he, he, if you go back and read it, like he's there, you know, mm-hmm. and, and stuff mm-hmm. and in the room and he's even in like, if you, if you look at the, the, the final poster that made it on the wall, like his foot is like, just, Oh yeah. Like, he happened to be in the background when, uh, his, his, uh, the, the, the kind of mummy girl was taking pictures. Mm-hmm. But, um, Awesome. But yeah, he uh, he's uh, as as throwaway as he may seem. He actually he's a he's a big character, but everybody's important, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, yeah, he has- to, so I wanted I just kind of want to do like Archie comics, basically, and just kind of mm-hmm. just you know just have, have everybody these, like, be, uh, be a part of it. Yeah. The Simpsons, like you know, even you know, like Mister Burns is interesting. You know, like yeah. the, the villain and, and Mo and all those guys. So I want to yep. try to get to that kind of place where you like everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and that character adds a little like innocence to the book because, like Mike said, he's just he just wants to fit in. He wants to be part of the group, and he's just like he's down for anything. Like yeah. we're gonna go to the show that everybody says sucks. I'm da- let's do it. Let's go. As long as I'm with you guys, it's all good. Yeah. Like I yeah. loved his his attitude towards everything. It was just yeah. it made it a little more fun in the moment. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. And I I was a little taken aback at Doris, um, the uh, the makeup and hair. Uh, was a little scary. Well, yeah, I don't know. Might, did yeah. you get the? I don't know. It, it might be too much of a deep cut, but there's a Wolverine reference in, in that in that on is that there? page. Oh, uh, so it was always in the comic books. It was, and this is you know maybe like the '80s, more the '80s stuff when Wolverine was like a, a psycho killer, right? But um, it was anytime you saw Wolverine, it just said like Wolverine is the best at what he does. Yes, and what he and what he does isn't very nice. Yes. So and so that page, I think it says Doris oh. is the best at what she does. Yeah, <laughs> yep. and what yeah. she does is makes you pretty. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I yeah I remember it when I was reading it last night. I was <laughs> I laughed at that. Hey, hold it that up, boys! Show it to the camera. I don't have my yeah. copy here. Right. Yeah. So I was given this amazing wraparound cover, the all ages cover. You called it right. This. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, yeah. But there's almost I think every character is on the front on, on the wraparound. But yeah, and, and Davey, without knowing us, sent me what he calls the death metal cover. But to me, it's a punk rock yeah, cover. Eight. Like yeah, and, I, and that, that one's also wraparound. Yeah, yeah it's they're also both wraparound. wraparound covers. They're both amazing. So so yeah, so, so we were we were talking about my buddy Jake, but but really, uh, who who deserves a lot of credit is this is uh, my friend Justin Noel, uh, who who he did that cover, but he took a lot of my initial character designs. Um, and, and really took him to a place uh, that I could never bring him from. He's a extremely talented Cal arts graduate, uh, Very who's cool. worked on, you know, a lot of different shows. It's like, think about a, a show, a recent cartoon you like, and he probably was on it, but he took like, he took all my guys and made them just workable 
so I basically, and then I was able to take his designs, my shitty storyboards and give all of that to Jake and then just let Jake go. Um, the, the, the eight page story in the back is uh, Orlando Velez. Uh, yeah, and he's cool also art. an extremely talented uh, dude uh, dude here. And uh, and I don't know if you guys know Matt Yaki. Matt Yaki painted uh, Deadpool. Yes. A lot of Marvel Deadpool comics. Yep. So I, I just happened to see one day where um, Matt Yaki tweeted out like, hey, I'm in between gigs. Anyone need color work? And I was like, yeah. hey, I got eight pages. And he was like, down. Yeah, and, he did a fantastic job. Um, and I, I mean, there's, there was a lot of content here. Like you said, the book, the book's great. It leaves you wanting more. And especially when you give, like, you give previews like cough and phlegm. So those, so those, yeah. So those guys are, uh, they're my, they're my bebop and rock steady. Yeah. Which I can't wait to meet them in the next issue. <laughs> hey, well help me out again, boys. Yeah. Hold, hold up cough yeah. and phlegm for all your yeah, all the viewers in the up. house. There you yeah. go. There you go. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I got when I opened that page was the bebop and rock steady of the universe. That that art is absolutely so. Awesome. I'm trying to do like a video game. I'm trying to think about the next story and like like. I played a lot of video games, so it's like I'm trying yeah. to think of like the visual cue of how you kind of beat the bad guy in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so with Flem, at least it's I think as he chases you, the cigarettes will kind of get smaller. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And okay. to get all the way down, he has to like stop and like, yeah, uh, yeah. Take and, then, and, then, and then while he's huffing and puffing, maybe they grow back. But oh yeah, that'd be awesome. It's. That's- I'm just noticing too. I love that cough has a mom tattoo. That's a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so even though it's cough and phlegm, it's really it's like because a lot of like punk rock or just rock and roll is like coffee and cigarettes. So mm-hmm. even though it's yep, coffee, cough, and like it sounds like cough and phlegm, but it's really the cough is actually more coffee. Okay, but I lived that diet nasty, for a long time, my friend. Nasty, nasty cigarette. <laughs> yeah, hair. That's so yeah, so there. So the plan for them is like you know, kind of based on what happening is, you know, chain brain, chain brain was hired to be the muscle, right? Yeah. Kind of like this, like hey, go. Like his thing was so his his story, guys, and if I'd, I'd love to tell it if I ever have the the the, the time or, or there's interest, but his story is like there used to be a horn where that whole that hole okay. in his head is yeah okay you know but when he was like a little kid yeah. like it broke off mm-hmm. so but he was you know big and strong but he's like hey chain brain like go they didn't pay go get those guys and he yeah. would go to get the guys but his brain would fall out and go bouncing <laughs> down the street yeah he'd be incapacitated where is it we got to dust it off so they figured <laughs> out if we just attach a chain to it <laughs> when it fa- when it falls out he'll yeah. still kind of be incapacitated but we don't go right. looking for it we can just grab awesome. it and shove it back in you know yeah the scene with him was really a lot of fun in the book yeah yeah so there there is an interest to know his origin story if you want to if you do get that on in the next book or an upcoming book that'd be awesome yeah yeah, yeah well, I'm, this one it might be in, it might be in book three it might be in book three mike okay i'll be on the lookout for it so yeah um, so you, yeah. you you created this this book and then at some point you got to put it out somewhere. And so you decided to go with Indiegogo. Yep. Um, which, so Mike, Mike and I know our, our backgrounds more Kickstarter. We know a lot of Kickstarter people. I know a lot of people in that field and I've started to learn a lot about Zoop and then Indiegogo is kind of in the back of my mind trying to learn what it's all about. So I guess why Indiegogo to start? Like what, what drew you to that platform? Um, it was a lot of the other dudes on the, on kind of like 
on the internet who are kind of seem to be breaking away from like the Marvel and DC thing, which I just kind of get started getting sick of in certain ways that they were all going to Indiegogo. And I kind of just followed that with some of my other like friends online were doing, Yeah, but it was really, that's pretty, pretty much all it was. I thought about doing Kickstarter, but I never really launched anything. and didn't really have an idea. And I just saw uh, quite a few successful campaigns recently on Indiegogo and uh put it up there and i'll say the the cool thing about indiegogo we talked about it i I don't think i knew this before that but uh you know the campaign finished back in december but you could still order books now right through the campaign yeah yeah 100 i think kickstarter when they're when the kickstarter ends uh it ends and uh you know you got to just get the stuff out but yeah i think uh indiegogo i think as i was saying is uh maybe happy to uh continue to take any any uh 10% off any sales you have or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Like, Go ahead, leave it up, leave it up. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just on their server. Yeah. See, it's it's still up. So I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do, you guys. I'm like, uh, cuz you know, it's 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 I'm a first-time guy. It's hard to generate generate interest and and I and I understand, but it's also like you said, I had this, you know, I had this story. I wanted to just I love I love comics, um, mm-hmm. and that's really what it comes from. Yep. So as I'm, I'm probably more of a superhero guy. Uh, a lot of the stuff I collect is like pre-code 1950s horror. Okay. Um, so I don't. Yeah, but I was a big garbage pail kids guy. There's a lot of that influence I feel like in here. Yeah. But I do. I really care about comics as the uh, a storytelling medium and, and the craft and trying to lead, lead the eye and, and, and give you something and not just totally just, you know, trying to, you know, make a quick buck or anything like that. So uh, I'm, I'm putting myself in that book and, but, but also really, um, uh, you know, hopefully just keep making books and, and one day, you know, I don't know. Do it, do it full time. Is that your dream? No, not do it full time. No. Do I, I, res, I respect comic books a lot. I, 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 I read over. I feel like six thousand comic books. I, I, I kind of still study them and kind of the, like the history oh. is is interesting. And I just really like comics as as a medium and trying to respect. Not you know, it's an all ages book, but it's not just like oh hey, this character's doing this, they're running over there, and they're doing this. Like right, right. There's you know, trying, some to, trying to like but... you know do interesting panels and mm-hmm. and you know I no I agree because it yeah when a lot of times if someone says all ages book I usually won't uh, take a look at it but this one I mean it it shows that you put a lot of thought and and development into it for for any comic book fan and I think the reason Chris and I when we see something like this we're we're excited because we don't see a lot of books like this. I mean, the big two are always going to be there, you know, um, but we don't see a lot of diversity in storytelling and the types of books, even the types of art that we, we get our hands on. So this was a this was a refreshing book to read, I think. Yeah. And I mean, Davey, you said you listened to some of the past shows and some of our listeners, uh, viewers might be sick of me saying this, but like, I'm always looking for more fun. Yeah. And mm-hmm. this book was fun. Like, yeah. it was like you're with a bunch of kids who just want to be in a band. And it you know, reminded me of being in middle school, high school. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, guys, let's start a punk rock band. Let's, you know, let's get together and 
you know, play a show and, and then the, the, the art kind of lends itself to that. Cause it feels like a, a fun cartoon that was a bunch of kids getting together playing music. So yeah, it, no, it was a yeah, good time. definitely bring something and to go against Mike, I, I don't hate the all ages label. I, I kind of wish it wasn't such a, uh, look down upon thing like i think all ages can be great and there's some all ages books they're some of my favorites and it's unfortunate that's seen that way but i don't this book definitely even though you're going for the all ages um theme it's not a kid's book and, and it, i think that's that's a, a point that i've been trying to make and i, I, I appreciate you saying that and it, it's more like legos and it's like uh, yeah, yeah it's all ages but i'm there's i'm not going to shy away from going to certain places it's just like not going to be like overly you know probably gory but you know but but i'm like there is actually like gore in it that's like kind of fun like when that dude's brain when that dude's brain gets knocked out of his head right exactly yeah it's it's gross you know there's a chain in it and stuff but yeah but it's but but i appreciate that because uh dude chris one chris there's one time where i was on twitter i was like hey like i'm would anybody i was just trying to like get anybody to look at it and there was a dude, his response was like, oh, he's like, because I think like, oh, yeah, all, like all ages or something. And his response was like, oh, like I'd pick it up, but all of my friends are like in their 20s. And I, and I was like, oh, I was like, dude, I was like, like all eight, I'm like, it's all ages doesn't mean kids. It's yeah, like right, right. Book, yeah. By any means. Yeah. No, so I'm like, maybe that's not the best, the best, uh, well, usage. I'll tell, of- I'll tell you, like you got, I mean, if you don't mind me saying it, it's public information, but uh, I'll say it's 47,000 for the backing or you got 86 yeah. backers, which for uh, 4,700, hundred. Yeah. 700, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. hundred, which to, some people out there might be like, that's it. But honestly, when it comes to crowdfunding, like that's really good, especially for your first time out. Like that shows that there was an interest and you could probably push further with this book and get more people. Yeah, out I'm, 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 I'm thrilled to, to have that, that 4,700 Chris, yeah. uh, like you said, there's, I think there's some with, with the power of the internet and even just the last couple of years, there's, there's, there's a, uh, people have better efforts or whatever who unfortunately haven't been able to get that, you know? So, mm-hmm. right. No, first time. That's really good. That's, that's something, that's something to be proud of. And um, I know we're going to be looking forward for the next issue. Do you have a, do you think you have an idea when we could see the next, the next <laughs> I, campaign? I, I, re- I really don't, man. And it's like, okay, that's all right. Like, At least you're honest about it. No, it's, I mean this, this one, I mean this one for it's, it was, it was hard enough to get this out. And, uh, and I've never, I've never have been interested in like marketing and advertising. I'm a big fan of like Bill Hicks. I don't know if you know that comedian. He has a, he has a joke about marketing and advertising. That's really funny. He's just like, Hey, uh, so, uh, anybody in the audience tonight, if you work in uh, marketing and advertising, do me a favor and go ahead and kill yourself. Yeah. He's like, no, he's like, this isn't a joke. This isn't, this isn't part of my act. It's not a bit like, but if you work in marketing and uh, advertising to me, you know, um, <laughs> that's awesome. you know, so I just always had this attitude like, eh, but yeah. I was like, shoot, man. Like I told you, I played a lot of softball. I had, I was, I, I had a game game earlier, but that was, you know, as an adult, I didn't play like baseball literally as a kid. And I was like, you know, I had to, as a 
learn how to hit better, you know. Yeah, yeah. I can sometimes see the ball and whack it, but it's like, oh, to become a better hitter, you kind of got to work on it and develop that skill. So after this book was done, I was like, shoot, man, like I need I need to learn marketing. <laughs> I, I I want I want to start reading about it and just try and figure out figure out different different ways. But yeah, you know, but at the same time, like if this was market, like this is fun. Like if all I have right. to do is like so this there's, is so there's a way to do it, it and have it be fun and chill yeah. and get it out there. Like, you know, it's, I'm, like, it's, I'm, all, I'm all super down with it. It's hard to sell yourself. I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's, that's, that's like a skill in itself to, to, I mean, you obviously have passion for what you're doing and that sometimes that's just doing interviews with us and somebody that's very passionate like you, that, that is invested in what they made. Um, and you just talking about it like that is a big enough sell right there that you're like, wow, this person really cared about what they made. So I think no, yeah, this is, that. this is, this is fun. Yeah. But it's yeah. like, you know, going to cons and like, <laughs> Hey, bye, well, bye, actually, well, yeah, so it was weird. So I brought my, I'm, dude, I'm going to a con in Jersey in July. Oh, okay. Which yeah. one's that? Uh, July 8th, uh, Contropolis, uh, in Secaucus. Oh. Okay. Never heard of that one. <laughs> I didn't either, yeah. man. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just gonna kind of awesome. uh, work out that way. I was like, you know what? I don't know. Like a table in Artist Alley was it was like a couple hundred bucks, man. It's like two hundred. I don't know. It was one fifty or two hundred. I can't remember. But I was gonna just take a stack of books and go out there because I'm gonna kind of be out there. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, man. But yeah, yeah, I like it. Sounds like a Transformer Contropolis. Yeah. Yeah. Turns into a building. I'm like, what are you gonna do? Like, <laughs> Battles over that way. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait it out. Yeah, you you guys go. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll, I'll keep the, the garage warm. When you guys park when you yeah. get back. Yeah, on the parking garage. Contropolis. Contropolis. There he goes again. That yep. Silly guy. Dude, just transform back to the robot. So, Davey, I mean the the book uh, got funded. You're sending out copies. You're still in demand, but I mean, if people want to follow you further, keep up with the book and uh, all that, where could we send them? Yeah. You know what? It, it's again, that, that marketing thing that I'm terrible at, as you noticed, I didn't put any contact information in the comic book at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> no barcode, yep. no email, no number, no Instagram stuff. But, um, but I guess, it's like this is something else I need to change too to just be more. But hey, to answer your point, Chris is uh, on most social media I'm Pum Spack. It's P as in Paul U M S P A K. That is uh, it's an old Marvel sound effect. Um, wow, that is so what I've like, seen. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, so, dude. At the at the time in like Captain America, like three thirties around that point. Uh, there was like members of the Serpent Society and these like other like C-list villains were slowly getting murdered like one by one. That's awesome. And every time one of the like the Serpent Society got killed, there was like a mask, and it was just like Scourge was here, and it was like who who did Scourge? You know, and so, so heroes didn't care, and then like at one point I think some of the villains like came to Captain America, like dude, you need to protect us, but. The thing is, whoever the score, the scourge, the gun that they had made that noise. That noise. That's it was, awesome. It was like a. It was like a. I think it was an exploding. It was like boom, and then like spat, 
Like, it was oh, an, okay, yeah, yeah. It was an explode. I think it was an exploding shell. Like, uh, the, like they okay. so like that's it would awesome. shoot. It would shoot pum, and then it would blow up with sap. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds yeah. dirtier than mean it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude. I think, <laughs> I'm yeah, not. I'm. I, I was on a couple. Like I was on a, another show or something, and they, like didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> it's all right. No, it's all good. So it's all good here. So everyone out there watching and listening, uh, you'll find in the show notes down below, as always, link to the Indiegogo campaign. And I'll also link to Davey's Twitter page. So make sure to check those out. Follow all of the great work he's doing. So Davey, thanks so much for being on. Uh, we're serious. We're looking forward to issue two. So get back cool. to work. Get back cool. to work. Uh, thanks, uh, are, we yeah. wrap, are, we, are we wrapping it up? This went by yeah. so fast and I had a lot. Yeah. I had really fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks, Thanks man. man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, awesome, dudes. Cool. And we're back. Yeah. Um, really love the book. So I think most people here would enjoy the book, Unemployed Monsters. Yeah. It's really good shit. Um, yeah, it's got that, you know, Adult Swim, Rick and Morty vibe to it. So Yeah, wacky alien Artists did a bunch of Rick and Morty comics too, so that's part of what gives it that flavor. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's, it's colors, really good book. colors are popping, so check it out. Uh, comic news, Chris. Marvel has announced a new creative team for Captain Marvel, releasing October. Alyssa Wong will write and is joined by artists by uh, Jan Bazaldua. Uh, we'll take over the series, a new number one, and a new sidekick, and of course, an all new status quo. Uh, I like Alyssa Wong. I've read some of her Marvel stuff, so that's cool. Good for her. Yeah, good for her. I, I liked. I think we talked about it. Um, I liked uh, Doctor Afra, but I think mm-hmm. she still does. Yeah, I'm behind on my Star Wars stuff. She's done some of the Shang Chi stuff. The new stuff. yeah, she did Shang Chi. Did she do an Iron Fist book? Yeah, I think there was like a crossover there that she was work did some stuff. I think she was doing some of the Iron Fist. Yeah, so I'll say what I've read of hers, I like, but mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I'm not gonna read Captain Marvel. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got too. I got too many books, Mike. Too many books. I hear you. I man. can't keep up with the books I'm buying. I hear you, dude. I hear you. Marvel Zombies are getting the black, white, and blood treatment. That's cool. The new limited series, obviously titled Marvel Zombies: Black, White, and Blood. Like the other versions of the series, it will be an anthology series of three stories of each issue. First issue number one, there will be a story. Right, wow, written by Garth Ennis. Cool artist, uh, Rachel Scott. We'll deal with zombie daredevil as he deals with the sins he has committed as a zombie. And then there's an amazing cover with zombie uh, Wolverine on it. So yeah. Phenomenal cover. Um, Mike, I'm buying too many comics, but I'm going to buy this one. Yeah. Chris, I mean, Chris <laughs> is in for the zombies folks, right? This one sounds fun. Yeah. I like the Marvel zombie stuff uh, because I am one and yep. I like, I mean, Garth Ennis, amazing writer. Mm-hmm. And dude, dare to, like, that's such a good idea. I yeah. Mean, because the Marvel zombies still have some sentience where they're still themselves, but right. they're, they have this bloodlust. And, you know, Daredevil dealing, how does Daredevil deal with being a flesh eating monster <laughs> while also being a Catholic? Like, yeah. How does that work? <laughs> they don't how mix. Does, how does he figure that part out? So I, I love this idea and I am all in. Yeah. Um, Speaking of you- all in. Speaking of all, and here we go. <laughs> DC has announced a new black label comic from writer artist Raphael Grampa. Uh, the series is called Batman Gargoyle of Gotham. The series will feature a Gotham 
ravaged by serial killer and getting darker by the day, Batman must kill off the persona of Bruce Wayne and become a full-time Batman. Yeah, I'll probably check this one out. That cover looks pretty sick. Uh, I like the title as well. Yeah. I'm here for Batman. I'm here for Black Label books. They're always a good time. Yeah, and this is the artist from uh, Berserker. Oh, okay. So I've heard good things about the art. Yep. Nice. I I'm I like the idea. I like the idea of like Batman's just finally going to give in and be, you know, the old idea of like Bruce Wayne's the persona, not Batman. Yeah. And so him just finally being like, I'm going to be me all the time. Yeah. And what that really does to him, that mm-hmm. that'll be, it could lead to some interesting storylines. So it's definitely going to go great for him. I don't know. Definitely. So <laughs> it's definitely, it's I'll a pick great this one Yeah, me too. We now know officially what John Stewart Green Lantern's new series will be. Green Lantern War Journal will be an ongoing series with writer Philip Kennedy Johnson. What? And artist Montos. The series will be released this fall set a deal with John being forced to jump back into action as GL after try, trying to leave the life behind him. That life behind him. Yes. Philip Kennedy Johnson. John Stewart Green Lantern. Yes. Let's go. Holding a Gatling gun on the front cover. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely getting this 100%. And I I found also this spins out apparently that uh, John Stewart backup story in mm-hmm. Green Lantern number one is this like okay. it's the beginning of this. So now I gotta go back and find that issue. Yeah, I read that. I don't even remember what happened though, to be honest. Yeah, I, the Hal stuff I don't care about. I just want more John. Yep. Yeah, I'm all for it. I love John Stewart, Green Lantern. And I've been waiting for a John Stewart Green Lantern book to come back. I don't think we've gotten a real John Stewart book since New Fifty Two. I don't think so either. I could be wrong there, but I'm yeah, I'm all in. Pretty hype. All in. Pretty hype. After the big announcement last week that Void Rivals is a GI Joe Transformers Universe book, we find out at the end of issue one what the future of, for the franchises will be at Skybound slash Image. There are four series being published by the line starting the uh, this winter. Versus Transformers coming this October from artist writer Daniel Warren Johnson. Okay, interesting. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty cool cover art too. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't, I don't really like Transformers that much. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna I, read any of these, but that's cool. But like, I love Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> oh man, this one's so. even crazier. Uh, GI Joe comics. This one's coming in December from writer Joshua Williamson and Tom Riley. Title: The artist. And the artist, Tom Riley, um, titled Duke. So Duke is part of G.I. Joe comics, I guess. Apparently. And and then in January, from writer Joshua Williamson and artist Andrea Milana will be Cobra Commander. Okay, Joshua Williamson just raking it up here. Uh, Finally, yeah. Uh, Just to jump in on this, I don't read G.I. Joe. I'm not really a G.I. Joe guy. Kind of interested in this. <laughs> yeah, I like Cobra Commander. I think that's cool. Cobra Commander's cool. Joshua Williamson doing it. It's cool. My only question is at what point is Joshua Williamson just doing way too much shit? Yeah, right. What is he? Yeah. But where's the, where's the limit here? It's it's probably gonna be a no from me, but like the interest is there. Mm-hmm. So if somebody over at Skybound wants to send me copies. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah, I I yeah, I don't we'll see. We'll see with that one. Um, finally, with the original continuity from the Marvel age of G.I. Joe, is G.I. Joe a real American hero? 
from the series original writer. Wow, Larry Hama. Damn. Artist Chris Mooneyham. The series will pick up with issue 301. That's that's pretty crazy. Uh, you got Larry Hama coming back. Yeah, and I I know somebody who's like a big fan of that original series. Uh-huh. And has just been waiting for this announcement. So I was, I'm like, I'm happy for him. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's cool. I'm glad that Kirkman and company were like, because people were enjoying that Real American Hero book at IDW that Larry Hama was a part of. Uh-huh. And when that got announced, Larry had kind of said like he didn't know what the future was. He had more ideas. He wanted to do more with it uh, and all this. And the fans were kind of up in the air about it. But it's here. So now go support it, all you G.I. Joe fans. Go get it. <laughs> and, and I'm glad you're getting it if uh, it's still good. Um, and then sadly, we're going to end on a, a sad note before we talk about what we read this week. Uh, we lost two creators, uh, sadly. First is Ian uh, McGinty. Only 38 years old. I didn't even know about this one. Ian is known for his work on Rocco's Modern Life, Invader Zim, and more. Uh, that's very sad. Those are. Yeah. And really so sad. Ian's death kind of sparked the whole hashtag comics broke me. Uh huh. Which I will get into on a later interview that yeah. I scheduled. But not only that, but. We don't really know. I don't really know why he passed away. Like what caused it? I, I right. seem to get the idea that he had some sort of condition he wasn't taken care of because he was too busy working on comics. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that in a pejorative way. Like right. he was trying to work all the time to pay for things, and yeah, that's what started the hashtag. I got to talk to Ian one time behind the scenes. We almost had him on the show at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one of his collaborators in the Rockless Modern Life comic on the yep, show. I remember that. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and uh, from my two or three interactions with him he was he was a busy dude but he was just a dude that loved like the cartoons we grew up on and wanted mm-hmm. to like work on that and love comics and he at one point got to work for nickelodeon was like through the roof and he just seemed like a good dude so it's really sad yeah all around sad. and the fact that like he's not that much older than we are man i know yeah it's like our age yeah so it's, this is a rough one but sad really yeah. sad and then we lost John Romita Sr., who was 93 years old. God bless. JRS is best known for his work in Marvel Comics, of course, but specifically Spider-Man, where he became known as the definitive Spider-Man artist. Now we know his, his uh, son. It's pretty popular. But, uh, yeah, wow, 93 years old. That's a long life right there. Holy crap. Yeah, and his son said it was from natural causes. So, I mean, the dude lived a long, prosperous life. like Yeah. And uh, got to pass on his talents and his everything to his son, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John meters me. is one of those guys that defined Marvel comics back in the day. So he will have a legacy for decades and decades to come. Oh, um, for sure. For sure. But I know his son's hurting right now. I mean, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go through it one day, but I can't imagine. I don't even yeah. want to think about okay. it. Well, let's talk about the comics we read this week, Chris. I know you comics. had quite a bit. I I did catch up on barbaric number. So this is what I caught up on from the last, the last weeks you talked about. So I'll I'll just run through these quick barbaric four hell to pay. uh, Number four. This is uh, yeah. Barbaric hell to pay. Number four, the end of that series. I thought there was an awesome ending. All the characters are heading in a new group. I like how we split off into like two groups. Um, Fantastic four. Number eight. This is North and Fiorelli. 
uh, I thought staying they're staying at the Fantastic Farm is what they call it now. <laughs> um, this villain made out of wood like shows up and Reed and they start fighting him because he's like infe- he's like infecting Reed and mind controlling people in the town. It's just a fun book and Fantastic Four are in it. I want a Fantastic Farm T-shirt now. Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, Batman 136, you know, Chip Zdarsky's still on it. I thought it was a great issue. Batman's return to Gotham, meets with Selina, finds out Penguin faked his death, and then meets with the Bat family at the end, but then he can't enjoy it because he's having constant, like, panic attacks and sees them all burning, which is classic Batman. Um, I really like that he didn't end it on a happy note. Um, You know, there's a reason Batman doesn't get everybody that he loves together in a room. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it's it's like going back to the whole movie thing right i brought I, my parents brought me to the movies i brought everybody i loved in one area and now they're dead so it's like i think i think he's got some childhood trauma he needs to work out a little bit uh, yeah a little bit shazam 2 that you read this is wade and mora great issue psycho pirate fight was good and the gods of the shazam meeting at the rock of eternity and like you know that's pretty sick we don't get enough of that like the gods of shazam so i like yeah. that uh dark knights of steel 11 my only I, my comment here is, man, three months between issues. What the hell? Um, good issue while we're working with the White Martians the whole time. Everybody else is working together to team up. But, dude, three ish- three months between issues? Like, come on, guys. It's rough. Uh, Superman John Kent, number four. Taylor Robertson. Blue Suit Superman. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't spoil that one for me. Shows up again in this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so Su- Superman or Superboy. Show, I don't know whatever you're going to call him. John Kent. He goes blue suit Superman for a little bit. He talks to the um, Bat family and his boyfriend about the Earth he's on. So that was pretty good. Uh, and then the only book I got to uh, from this week after catching up on all my shit was uh, Barbaric Queen of Swords number one by Marechine Howell. Uh, and don't sleep on this. It's just as good as all the other barbaric stories. Yes, it's really good. We get the we get the team of like the witch, the barbarian, the assassin. Uh, working to get the orb to find out more. And then we find out more about the witch's past, which is interesting. They jump into another dimension, dimension chasing the orb. I just love this universe. It feels like a, it feels like it's a D and D campaign, but it's got the art and like the feel of like, I love all the characters. I, it's like, it's like the D and D book I've always wanted, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not like labeled that, but I really do enjoy it. Cause it's got that humor. Yeah. It's got that. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously, you know? Because I think for us in particular, I mean, for me especially, yeah. like part of D and D is the humor, like yeah, us like joking just, around and having yeah. a time, right? You don't, you know, it's you take it, you don't take it so seriously. Yeah. Um, a few from last, well, a few books I caught up on. So I caught up on Phantom Road, mm-hmm. which oh, is just yeah. a really good it. series. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Okay. Uh, from last week, I got Captain America. Sentinel of Liberty number 13, which is the quote unquote final issue of um, the Cold War. Mm. But uh, as I say that, it's the quote unquote final issue, but there's an Omega after it. Interesting. Uh, which I think I read this week. I am so fucking. Yeah. So actually, I can talk about these together. So I also have Captain America Cold War Omega. Okay. So basically, like, it's over. Um, it's a complicated ending. I think all in all, it was an okay event, but mm-hmm. where it where it leaves Steve is confusing because it leaves Steve in Dimension Z to kind of handle things with his son, and I don't know where they're going to take that. Um, it seems like Ian's going to be the new leader of Dimension Z, and then it definitely sets up uh, 
Sam as the the Captain America for the the Marvel Universe moving forward, which makes sense due to the movies. Uh, yeah, it was just it was okay. It was kind of it's unfortunate. This is how the uh, Jackson Lanzig, uh, Colin Kelly run has to end. But we do get one more issue with them, so you know this is what it is. Daredevil number twelve was really good. This is from last week as well. Uh, it's basically Daredevil is gonna head is going to hell to uh, fight a demon or some shit. Okay, and he gets a really cool white suit. Chip Zdarsky writing some good comics. I really enjoyed it. So he looks like Nemesis. Actually, yeah. I can show you the. I'll show the page. I'll spoil the fuck out of this. Nice. He does look just like Nemesis. Yeah, just with horns. <laughs> yeah, Nemesis with horns. Yeah. I picked up Spider-Man Fake Red, which was the manga. Oh, cool. On a whim, mm-hmm. and uh, really good. Nice. So the whole plot line is Spider. So Peter Parker is dealing with the Venom symbiote, mm-hmm. and right before he gets the Venom symbiote, he it's during that part in his life where he gives up the suit mm-hmm. and it, so this is kind of out in, out of continuity, but they take a moment in continuity and tell a story in it. Yeah. So it's that moment where he throws the suit away, that iconic cover. He's like, I'm not Superman or I'm not Spider-Man anymore. Right. But then they, they use that to him getting the venom symbiote and he's fighting it. Mm-hmm. And some kid in New York just finds the Spider-Man suit. And takes oh. it home and is like, I need to give this back to Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And then the whole story is about this kid who's like, well, what if I go out and just wear the suit and, you know, around and everybody thinks he's Spider-Man. So he has right. to go save people or else people are going to think Spider-Man's a coward or something. Yeah, it's not doing anything. So it's a kind of a unique story. One I've never seen, at least in Spider-Man before. So mm-hmm. I, I really, I highly recommend it. And the packaging is cool. It's hard to see in the this, but like there's kind of a foil web oh yeah I all can through see the that. cover yeah, that's yeah. cool and it's set up for more but i almost hope they just leave it yeah because it's a cool story and it's just it is what it is it, it sounds good uh, another graphic novel i had is night fever by okay. edward Ricker and sean phillips uh i mean of i like that I cover it. it's a great cover isn't it yeah it's really cool so the whole premise is this guy is a uh, a book publisher and he's going to a, a convention in France and he meets mm-hmm. this guy. Well, he sneaks into this party pretending to be somebody and he meets the guy who was supposed to be using the name that he okay. snuck in under. Okay. And then they commit a bunch of crimes together and the guy, like the, the American realizes he's going like he's, he's sick of his day-to-day life. Like he's kind of bored with just being a guy that goes to work and has kids and everything. And he's getting some sick thrill out of it. And then does all these crazy things, goes to these parties with uh, cultists and nudists and everything. And thinks he sees uh, aliens at one point. And it's just, it's this weird story about this guy. And in the end kind of realizes what's going on, that he's been duped. And has to fix it. So uh, if you like Brubaker Phillips stuff, you're going to enjoy it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, We talked about it in the interview, but Unemployed Monsters, I really enjoyed. Uh, Void Rivals, number one. 
Okay. Oh, this is the other super. So this massive. is what set up the the new D or DC universe, the new Transformers GI Joe universe. Okay. With Kirkman and uh, Lorenzo Di Felici. So, the story itself is pretty basic. Uh, two alien races are at war. They're fighting in space. They land on this deserted planet. They realize they need each other to survive on this planet. And then, spoilers, everybody. But at the end of the story, they take off their masks and they realize they look at the same. Mm-hmm. Not really a hugely unique story, but whatever. Mm-hmm. The only connection to this transformer stuff is literally they find a ship at one point and they're like hey we can use the ship to for parts to get us off of here yeah and when they activate it it's a transformer and it goes how long have i been here and they say you know it's this blah 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 and he goes oh shit and then he flies away <laughs> <laughs> wow that's how they connected it all it's not a bad book it's an okay issue one it's just mm-hmm. not something super groundbreaking or you know, that you're going to be thinking about for a long time. Yeah. And then a couple of uh, Kickstarter books. First, uh, Sharon, number 13, by my buddy okay. Judah Rad, who we had in the show to talk about. If you like James Bond and you like sci-fi, mm-hmm. you're going to like this book because that's what it is. <laughs> okay, that's cool. Uh, we got this, like, super secret agent in space who's going on this mission. He meets the girl. He bangs the girl. And then they find out there's more of the mission. So he's got a bigger story arc to this, but I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And then tough stuff. Issue three, the toughening oh. part one, nice. which I'm in everybody. Uh, so this takes place after the events, tough stuff issue two, okay. where tough stuff is now dead and it's December, like November, December, 1999. So we're dealing with Y2K in this. Oh, that's awesome. And Tough Stuff's cousin, Enough Stuff, oh my God. works at a bookstore. And she's trying to like warn everybody about Y2K. And she thinks that the only way to, to like help and get people to, to realize what's going on is to resurrect her cousin, Tough Stuff. We then like kind of flash forward to the future and Tough Stuff's alive again. And we're in this like dystopian future where like Amazon controls everything, although it's not Amazon, it's a different thing. Right. Amazon controls everything and people are like slaves to Amazon. Classic. And he does a really cool like homage to Dark Knight Returns. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. And then we go back and it's enough stuff trying to find where Tough Stuff's body is. And what's funny to me is so she like she goes to the Bermuda Triangle to get the answers and all this. And then when she finds the body, her solution to finding his soul is to smoke DMT. <laughs> Nice. And go to another universe. Makes sense. Where she does, in fact, find his soul. Makes sense. Uh, I thought it was a really good book. I really enjoyed Tough Where's Stuff. Where's your character in the issue? Uh, it's right in the beginning. She tries to warn the FBI about Y2K. And I basically tell her that she is... Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Oh, I don't tell her. Another person tells her. Like She tells me about the Y2K thing. And then some, one of the other people in the panel goes like, that's a cute story. Now run along and go do cat shit. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> and then we all start doing a bunch of drugs and banging each other. Hell yeah. Apparently I'm in the corner shooting heroin. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, Delgado. Classic. I didn't realize that's right. Now. Classic Chris. <laughs> Dude, he gave you the friggin', uh 
He gave me the red arrow treatment, bro. It's <laughs> bad enough. Maybe an FBI agent. Yeah, what the hell? A heroin addicted FBI agent. Uh, yeah, tough stuff's a fun book, and I, yeah. I look forward to chatting with Delgado again soon. Hopefully, at the end of the month, uh, I think he's going to be at Nickel City. So cool. Very cool. Hang out. Yeah, Mike, that was everything I read this week. So where can people find you on the internet? You can find me at Fortress uh, Ricker on Twitter, although Twitter has become this huge boxing ring for most people. Where can they find you and or the show? You can find me at Fortress Chris on Twitter, where I'll be defending Travis Gibb with my life. And you can find the show at Fortress Comics underscore on Twitter. Also at FortressComicNews.com. Remember, everybody, if you want to support the show, uh, the best ways to do it is to give us a review on Podcatchers to like, subscribe, share, comment down below on the YouTube version. And if you want to go the extra mile, it's Patreon at patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. So thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. We'll see you all here next week. Nice.